Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1469 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And this is actually going to be part two of two with my friend, Glenn Willis. This podcast is brought to you by the good folks at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I also want to encourage you at the top of the show to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else. You might like to listen to a podcast or watch one on the internet. And again, as I said before, this is part two of two with Glenn Willis. So if you missed part one, it should be available in your feeds right now. And it's uh, me and Glenn talking about all kinds of Hawks topics dating back to the playoff series, the adjustments that were sort of made there, Quinn Snyder's impact, the roster, what's to come for Atlanta, and much more. Please stick around. After a quick intro, I'll be back with myself and Glenn with the rest of our conversation. You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I do want to talk about the defense because I agree with your offensive uh, sort of overall evaluation and um, you know, I think we saw in last year's playoffs, what, right or wrong, positive or negative, I'm not putting a value judgment on it, but they did react, and I think they admitted that. They reacted to what happened in the Miami series. And you yep. could say that's good or not, um, but they did. I mean, DeJounte is the number one um, example of that, but they, they did, and they were pretty open about it. They were pretty upfront about the fact, like, you know, this, was, this showed us that we're not good enough, basically. And – you could argue the same about their defense, maybe against Boston. You could certainly say that a little bit. Um, and but for me, it's more big picture than that. And we talked about it earlier in our conversation. But the the lack of two way lineups, it, it is easier for this roster, as constructed, to build offensive lineups than defensive lineups. I mean, you, you've talked about it before on on this podcast. The fact that they could put Sadiq Bay and Bogey in the corners around Trey Dejounte and a, and a picker center of choice. That is a devastating offensive lineup in a lot of ways. That's that's kind of unguardable. If you have these two really good shooters on the wings, yep. two guys who at the point of attack who could score and also shoot a little bit, but that lineup defensively doesn't really work. And that's not the only lineup. I mean, they obviously, but that the balance issue of offense versus defense and um, putting laps on the floor that can defend is maybe the number one question of the entire roster and the number one question of the build right now that's going on. And I'm not trying to say a lot anyone in particular. But I mean, you and I talked enough, both online and offline, during the season, to just like there's numbers for it. I, I, I can give you the numbers, but I mean, how how workable is this defense? Because no matter how good you're on offense, you have to get stops. And you and I appreciate defense more than most. But it really is one of those times where like you cannot be as bad as they've been at times, not always, but at times defensively, and be serious. That's kind of what I would say. Yeah, um, I mean, so that that's the area I think that if they just took the ro- same roster in the next season, would continue to hold them back the bigger, in, the, in, the, in the most significant way going into the next season, right? Um, I mean, they've tried some with Aaron Holiday here and there this year. I, I, I enjoy Aaron Holiday for the things that he brings to the team, but he's, what, six feet tall, right? He, he can't go do that against wings, right? Um, and in my, in my mind, the other factor here, as I was kind of preparing to talk to you tonight, you know, I was like, just trying to kind of work through like, okay, why was DeAndre getting blown by in that series? And we talked about the fact that the Boston doesn't have these like dynamic first step guys. And I, where I landed was, it's probably just all the knee injuries. It's probably, you know, 
it's probably just, you know, kind of his health. So, so the idea of like three years ago, you could move him on the point guards, swing trade towards a low usage wing or whatever. I, I don't think that's a thing anymore. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe there's some things he can do to kind of get himself physically recovered this offseason. But I don't know that that's the plan I would seek to have as my first plan with this roster right. kind of kind of going forward. And so similar to like on offense, if you have Hunter and JC being your starting three and four in this team, you need alternatives on offense. But the Hawks, they need alternatives on defense, right? To me, that starts with a guard who can play one or two or play with Jante Ortre as the two or one B or whatever that looks like who can defend. And that's the missing piece to me. Like, I mean, I see Jalen making progress. I believe AJ in a couple of years will be a, uh, an average defender at best. He has a good size. He works hard. He's, uh, and he has the effort and all that sort of stuff. For me, the big gap is like, okay, if you're going to run with Trey and DJ, you can't just look at three, four, or five to hold that defense together. I think you've got to have someone at, in the backcourt who can come in and give you, I, I don't know, just a random, like a TJ McCall, right, type of guy, right, who can kind of come in and just kind of take those assignments, close games if you need to, you know. Yeah. Play Certain a matchups. lot of minutes against a, Chase a Devin Booker for the, you know, 28 minutes a game if that's what it takes or deal with Donovan Mitchell or whatever, right? They don't have that guy. They, they absolutely do not have that guy right. right now. And in my mind, that is probably number one, you know, in this off season. I know a lot of fans are, have reached out to me. Maybe you're hearing it too. Or like, Glenn, I thought DeJounte was supposed to be that. And I was like, oh, I, I was, don't know where that came from. Well, I was going to ask you this. So this is, I, I want to be fair to DeJounte in particular. Now I've, I've been critical of DeJounte's defense. I, I thought he was pretty not good th- for this, for the most part this year. And I, I did try to warn people a little bit because I heard from San Antonio people, and I told you this in the offseason, people in San Antonio said when he got his when he got the bigger role in offense, which, by the way, again, is a very natural thing. Talked about this yep. with, with Tower as well in our, on, a, on a recent podcast. But, like, yep. a lot of guys, most guys, the vast majority of guys cannot do both. They can't be the defensive stopper and 28% usage on offense. And DeJounte is for – he's got some pretty – he's got good size for a point guard, great size for a point guard. If he's playing the two most of the time, he's not big at the two. He's he's limited. He's pretty skinny. He is, uh, he's got great hands and all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, part of that was maybe the messaging that you were hearing from the Hawks is like, this guy's going to help our defense too. It's like one of those things. And I think he can be better, to be to be fair. I think he, I think sure. he can and should be better. But I agree with you 100% in that you can't just assume DeJounte is going to be your stopper because he's, he's not that. I think we've already, if you didn't know that already, you now know it after a year, I hope watching this yep. team, he's not going to be a stopper. Yep. He can be better than he's been, but it's not fair to put it on your, on your front court entirely, which I think Quinn tried to drive home a lot when he first got here to say, look, it's got to be individual responsibility. Stay in front of your guy, but also, yeah, whether it's Javon Carter or whoever you want to say it is, right. That can't be your whole plan either because you still have Trey and DeJounte. So that guy, whoever that guy is, I mean, it could be DeLon Wright, fan, friend of the podcast. Sign he, me up. he wouldn't fix every – because he's only going to play 20 minutes a game. He's not going to fix you right. for the rest of the game. Right. And But the, the, this, this, the problem is that in order to get enough offense on the court, you're leaning on a bunch of guys who are not necessarily completely one-way players but are heavily one-way players. Bogey, right. Sadiq. In particular, those two guys yep. are in, in order to get enough shooting, in particular, enough offense, you got to play them, but then you don't have a balanced guy. So, like, 
let's say going back to lineup that I talked about earlier, the the Trey Dejounte Bogey Bay offensive Palooza lineup, right? If that is, if it's let's say instead of instead of Dejounte, it's Delon Wright. Does that fix that defense? Probably not. It would help, but it would be a little bit better. Um, right. I, it's just really hard for me to like. I'm trying not to do the whole roster overhaul because I don't think it's going to happen that way. But there's some middle ground between. I agree with you. They they have to get somebody else from outside the organization on the perimeter that can be their stopper defender guy, and they probably know that to be honest with you. But that isn't going to fix it on its own because that guy is going to be a bench player on this roster. Barring some trade that, that I don't see happening, that guy's going to be your seventh man. And that does not fix your defense on its own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the your your dream guy there is um like an Alex Caruso, right? I mean sure. But I mean, good luck trying to get him because the if they the Bulls decided <laughs> decide to trade him. A team is for sure going to be able to beat the unless the Hawks were just like we'll give you Jalen and a first yeah. take whatever the, you, you know, want, but, and that's one of the things I I know I'm it's me and you were we're in lockstep here, but that is one of the things that we talked about that you talked about earlier about like not just immediately punting on your front court guys because right yeah those and are your pathways to be decent defensively I mean I mean Clint the Clint on Yeka thing we could say for another day that might get shaped that get, get shaken out so I'm going to put it out to the side but. Be, kind of be careful what you wish for because you know for better or worse their best their best perimeter defender is still deandre hunter yep. and he's not a game changer world changer defensively but he's still their best guy and if you just jettison that and he doesn't yeah. get better <laughs> and that's the thing for me is that i mean this might surprise some people but if you're like glenn the hawks can make one change like one change like so if you go out and get a third guard who's defensive minded whether it's a caruso you know hopefully it's a if it's one change it's a guy at that level right yeah. But you're stuck with Hunter and JC. That's still the one I would go make. That's still the one change I would go make. That is the big gaping hole on this roster. Is I mean, there are times they had to put Dejounte on the other team's kind of lead guy, which erodes uh, his offensive value. A, too, a lot right? of a lot of times. I mean, Boston's a good example. I mean, not that he was doing the whole the whole playoff series, but you look at Boston again. We're, we're cherry picking because it's a great team, right? But if you show me a team that has two star forwards, which Boston does. Two star wings. Yep. Who is supposed to guard the second one? It's got to be Dejounte. Like yeah, in the starting the, lineup, it has to be. Those are two guys that they're both going to be All NBA, right? Yeah. And and that that's rough. And to me, like when you're looking at okay, how, what position do we put Dejounte in defensively to allow him to make the most impact? You're going to look at the one, two, and three, and take the weakest ball handler of that group because he's disruptive. He will take the ball away from a weak ball handler. Right. And the, when you put him on, uh, you know, an All NBA wing you're not getting that disruptiveness you're not getting those that ability for him to play off of a guy getting into the passing lanes that disrupt that disruptor is the primary value that he brings and in fact if you put him on you know another team's kind of primary say donovan mitchell right he he's going to gamble that's just what he is as a defender that's him and yeah. the best the best creators the best scorers will absolutely punish that and so you've got to find a mix that lets De- dejounte get lined up with guys he can take the ball from when he has that opportunity or guys he can uh, play a little free safety off of, get into passing lanes, become that disruptor, you know. And, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. I think back to the last Oklahoma City game, and they close with Bogey on Shea, not yeah, DeJounte. I remember. And won that game. 
And 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 that is that says a lot about you know kind of where everything is right in that <laughs> in that way. So it's not just about like oh DJ is not what we thought. Well, first of all, I think that was just built up, um, not factual and not in factual way. Yeah. But the main the right thing to do for Dejounte, you know, I'm an op- I'm an optimistic person. I'm a positive person. Get him into a role that allows him to be disruptive, create transition opportunities, all that sort of stuff, and don't try to force fit him into something that he's really not capable of doing to your point earlier can he be better yeah technique better footwork better more proactive being in the better position etc he can do all of that um and especially on a team where trey's taking you know the primary offensive workload but i still think he's never going to be a guy that you just kind of throw on the other team's best guy maybe you know three minutes a half well while your main guy's off the court getting a break or you know whatever that is but for me like that that's the number one thing to work on is who is our third guard <laughs> that can drop in and really move the needle on defense and give you enough offense too. That's the thing that I think they have to kind of go make happen. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been trying to find tickets for a big event at the last minute, it can be really stressful. Probably not the best idea for your emotions or your wallet even. After all, buy tickets should not be a hassle. And with Game Time, you have the fastest, easiest way to buy tickets for sports and music and comedy, theater, anything you want to get a ticket for. With killer deals and last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can also avoid stress and getting hyped for the fun you'll actually have, which is much more fun anyway. Spring is here, and there's certainly tons of events around me in Atlanta. I'm sure there are around you as well. And with Game Time, there are flash deals and last minute tickets, and it's so easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event you're looking for. You can see images about where the t- tickets are actually going to be, where your seats would be, and they have protection if your ha- event happens to get canceled. Forget planning months in advance. There are t- deals on tickets right up to the day of the event at game time, and the game time guarantee also means you get the best possible price. If you find tickets in the same section in the same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds, plus those tickets are actually sent directly to your phone to make things very easy for you. Download the game time app right now, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm not saying this to be negative and I'm not trying to offset your positivity because I, I agree with the overall sentiment. I, I'll just point out that it, it is going to be hard always. And I, I'm not trying to brand everybody's parade, but we agree on DeJounte and the need for him to be kind of on a secondary guy as a playmaker. That is much harder on a team with Trey. Absolutely. It just is. And that that's a team building decision that they've made already that they have to be working around and working with. But, you know, every, as you're saying that whole thing, I'm, I'm nodding along with you because we agree. And then I remember that Trey's on the court somewhere. And so you have to put him somewhere, too. And I think Trey's gotten a lot better, but he's, yeah. he's, still, he's, still, he's still a negative. It's just what it is. And he's yeah. small. So that creates a challenge. But I, I, I tend to agree with what you said about, like, if you could just snap your fingers and add, add a player type, realistically, non-star player type to this roster. Right. I do think, especially now that, Bogey is currently healthy and they have Sadiq Bay to give you the shooting that they probably desperately needed early in the season. Plus you have AJ coming into his own. I think, I think we agree on the, like, if you can, um, let's just say the six, five version of Aaron holiday. You, <laughs> you know go. what I mean? If Aaron holiday was the same player, but was big enough to guard wings, he would kind of be that guy. Yeah. Um, he's not on all, all respect to him. I, by the way, I still believe that was a good minimum signing. I hope he's back. Yeah. I mean, for the minimum, Sure. Yeah. Bring, bring Aaron Holiday back. I know offensively he can't do much of 
what they you want to shoot, which is really uh, should be enough for agreed. agreed. But anyway, uh, we agree on the whole like thought process there. It's just more of a balance. And, you know, I was going to ask you about Quinn at some point. I guess we can talk about that now. Yeah. Well, if I could jump in on Trey's defense. Yeah, go ahead. We can move in. Feel free. So against Miami, you could tell like they were like, Trey, you've got to defend Hero. You, yeah. you, you have to, right? There's no there's like, no <laughs> yeah. And you know what? He worked at it. You know, he's he he's never going to have more size than he has right now. He's never going to, you know, have more, you know, you know uh, length or whatever. But and then against Boston, they were like, Trey, you've got to you've got to take Marcus Smart. You know, you have you have to. Right. And and so I think that you can kind of see Quinn's kind of plan around. Trey, we're not going to stick you on PJ Tucker, right? First of all, he's going to just beat you up on the offensive class, you know. Right. But that's not going to work for us because I can't swing Bay onto, you know, whatever Malcolm Brogdon or yeah. whoever, right? You know, and, and so I, I felt like that was Quinn realizing like this is the way it has to go. And your point about is the guy going to play twenty minutes or whatever? What good teams do is is at times is this again? It can't be your prevailing rotation plan for your rotation. But if you're going to give us the Suns and, you know, say Alex Caruso's on your team and he's got Devin Booker under some reasonable control and it's a close game, DeJounte's time to check back in. Hang on, DeJounte. We're just rolling with, you know, our other guard here, right? Yeah. That's what good – that's what teams who win 55-plus games do. They make those hard choices uh, and, and such. Now, ideally, you got enough of where you can close, maybe close some games with both Trey DeJounte and whoever that guy is, or especially if he has some nice size, you know. But there are times when it's like, sorry, we're closing with this group because this group is working tonight and this group's going to give us the best chance to win the game. And and I, I think, you know, if that happens, you know, eight to 12 times in a season, DeJounte's not going to like his feelings hurt over that, you know, in my, in my, in my view. So there, so there, it's not, I don't think we have to be self limiting too much in a sense that we think that, that that player can't play 30 on a night where you've got to deal with Garland and Mitchell or yeah. KD and Booker or whatever the other combinations might be next year. That's a good point. I, and, and I agree. It's got to be more schematic, especially in a playoff context, it would be much different. I mean, you're, yeah. we, we are, we already saw the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks were pushing uh, Hunter in particular played 40 plus minutes. I think every game that mattered down the stretch of that, of that series, something yeah. like that, 39, 40 plus, and part of that was because he had to, but part of that is that who they're playing. I mean, in a different matchup, maybe you play him 35 minutes and not 42, but when he's he's the only guy you have that can do a lot of things that he can do on the floor, they lean into that. That's that's kind of the playoffs being the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to ask this about Quinn, and you can take it to a non-Quinn direction too, but I, I wonder what you – I was sort of the same question I asked you earlier about the offense, about the defense, like what it told you about – that we didn't maybe already know. And some of it we, we kind of already knew. Maybe it's driven home more um, what you thought Quinn's approach was defensive. This could be back in the regular season, too. I know you and I talked about this a little bit more a couple weeks ago, mid-series or before series, whenever it was, about kind of Quinn's adjustments. But, like, from your coaching X's and O's lens, like, what did you kind of see defensively that, that jumped out to you during the series in general? Yeah, so, I mean, for the most part, uh, it was just screen navigation, help, uh, loaded up in the, in the right time, in the right way. They were, I mean, honestly, if you talk about the area of play where they were the least consistent across the season, it was kind of like their presence as helping team defenders, being a half step slow to get to where you need to be, all that sort of stuff. That's actually the stuff that it's hard to get people to visualize on a podcast as much as I want to kind of dive in <laughs> in some respects. But for me, it's really about, um, you know, switching with the right lineups, 
chasing over with the right lineups and matchups, getting that mix of we're not just going to switch all the time like those D'Antoni's Rockets teams did, like all the time, right? We yeah. got We have to mix it up. When we have DeAndre on Tatum, he's chasing over, fighting through screens. When we have Bay on him, it's an automatic switch you know, for those <laughs> times. As the, as the as the series got deeper, it's like we're not doing <laughs> Bay on Tatum, you know, really, and that sort of stuff. So it was really kind of just an optimization of, Mixing the what you'll hear uh, NBA coaches, if you're watching, say five, 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 right? That's the defensive call. That's straight up man to man chasing over screens under against bad shooters. That's just your typical traditional five is traditional, right? Yeah. And then when you get into red, that's your switching, right? You'll hear red, red, red switching. And, and, and the Hawks had a mix of those two things, right? And as the series went on, I just thought they got better at deploying the right scheme based upon which lineup was on the court. A team that needed switching to be successful, they switch. A team that could fight through screens uh, and kind of stay, stay, keep your best defender connected to their best guy, they did that. So I thought it was just an optimization of kind of getting in and out of coverages and schemes that fit the lineup that was on the court. I thought that's what they got better at defensively overall. Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well. It's very easy to use. We're up to 25 times the money on your entries at PrizePix. They have safe and fast withdrawals. And every single day during the NBA playoffs, one PrizePix user will actually win a chance to become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pack flex with the following payouts. If you get all six picks correct, it's $1 million. Five out of six. $80,000, four out of six, $16,000. And full details can be found at pricepix.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is go and play like you always do at PricePix. You can be the lucky winner. Download the PricePix app right now. Go to pricepix.com, sign up and play Dan Fantasy Sports. If you're a first time user as well, you get 100% as a deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. Don't forget that promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at PricePix. And one more time, it's pricepix.com slash million. No, it's a great point, and you know you notice this stuff faster than I do. But the point you just made about doing different skiing for different lineups is a is, a, is what a lot of teams do, and what, and what a lot of teams probably have to do. And the Hawks are one of them. I mean, this is a very simple, simplified version of things, but you, you can't really be an all switch team when you have Trey. Like you can't do what Houston used to do because that was one of their advantages they had is that their point guard was James Harden, who was essentially a four on defense and could and could switch and probably had to switch because he wasn't getting, getting over a screen ever in his life. Trey can't really switch against against some guys, and you yeah. made the point about Sadiq Bay. He's not going to get over a screen against while while covering you know Jason Tatum. So it's right. personnel based. Um, also, you know Clint versus Onyeka, or who you're playing at center. Like there's some there's some guys that you don't want Clint to switch on. They're guards. I mean Clint is great by center standards, but like you don't want Clint in an ISO against you know pick your all star guard X probably. Whereas Onyeka might be able to do it, which is why he's kind of special. He might be he might be able to do that eventually. Um, so it, it, it's always going to be a mix and match. But I agree with what you said. Like that's important to be able to kind of see it happening in real time and execute it. Because as much as personnel based is, and I, I go to this too, talking about defense being personnel based, and a lot of it is a lot of a lot of it at the NBA level. And I do make this point a lot. The defense is all about effort thing is just so silly. Like you have to execute at the NBA level, especially in this kind of playoff thing. Like it's not effort. You have to have effort, but man, you have to be so mentally locked in every time down the floor. And it, it's so hard to like even picture that as a, as an outsider, like regular human being who could never do this stuff. 
but these guys have to make so many decisions in their head. Like it's, and it's really, and, and, you, and you throw in the different schemes, like you just said, like different guys have different things that they do. Like, okay, you can't switch, but you can like, think about, just think about that. As try, try to put yourself in that position as an outsider. Like I, I know these guys are pros, but that is so hard to think about, you know? Uh, it's just crazy to me. It, it, it is. And it's, it's funny. Like the team that I'm watching, like blow my mind right now, defensively is Denver, right? In, in these oh, they're playing right? great. Yeah. But, and and the, they understand that effort is a part of execution, right? It's not yep. even an execution effort. It's a subset of your execution. And I, I perpetually like underestimated them this year. I like, picked them to finish seventh in the Western Conference Finals. Jokes on uh, the Western Conference standings <laughs> in the regular yeah. season. Jokes on me. I thought the Suns would win this series. Who knows? Maybe they'll kind of find their way back into it. But Denver is exceeding my expectations on their commitment to their team defense and that execution with that subset of effort is and so they're making me look bad. I love that team, so I don't mind it at all. I love watching that team. I love Bruce Brown. I, I enjoy oh, KCP. What know. what, a, what a great signing Bruce Brown yeah, was for yeah. that team, especially. Yeah, like <laughs> that, that's a perfect one for the like they didn't have to go out and spend eighteen million dollars a year on that, right? Maybe can the Hawks find the that find guy their Bruce Brown that developed himself into a pre premier defender, but who can knock down thirty eight percent of like wide open three, you know, that sort of thing and handle them all a little bit too. So those players are out there. It's like, for me, I'm like, is, is can Javante Green be that one day? Like, I don't know, but it's like th- those, I mean, Bruce Brown was like three years ago. Is he a, a for sure a rotation player, you know, on a good team, you know, and that, and that sort of thing. And it's, it, so it's, it's, you know, those is, is AO. Like I, I look at the bulls and they got like AO and Javante and Caruso. And I'm like, Give us one of those guys, you know, and let's let's try to see how we can kind of make that work, you know, and stuff. But but for me, it's like it really is about Quinn just being a different coach than Nate. Nate was fundamentals, basics, plays hard. You and I had that podcast already. Oh yeah. Quinn is more like we got to change this right now, you know. We got to get to this right now. We got to adjust that right now. And I thought it suited the Hawks team better. And I thought that you saw a team play that had that looked like they had a lot of belief in what the plan was in this series. And I think that's one of the reasons that they were pretty competitive with the Celtics. And, you know, I, and I'd like part of that was like, you know, a team looking like, Oh, Bazon Tatum, like how, you know, like, Oh, Bazon Tatum, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we got to switch. We got to be there for him. We got to get right. you know, up to that level of the screen and be ready to give him that support, which was not what this team has always done. Yeah. You, you want to see them at least as a fan. I, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't speak for fans. I don't know what people want, but um I, you, I th- I'd be more encouraged by that pro that proactivity, kind of just being really assertive on what you know, being more go get it, like let's fix this and do certain things differently. And right. there's a time for Nate's approach too, and it's not as, as rigid as I'm making it sound. But you know, what when he took over it, it worked for them. That's what they needed, and in that moment, it worked great and all that stuff. And yeah. now I think they Quinn's voices. I mean, I talked about it a lot. I'm sure you've heard at least snippets of the exit interview stuff. Everyone seems to love Quinn right now. And while I have you here, we talked about him a little bit. I, I, I was a pretty effusive in the podcast I did with Tyler recently about this. But, man, I, I feel like, you know, obviously having Trey is more important, some, all that stuff. But that aside, I think having Quinn in place for a couple months and also just having Quinn in place as the head coach is just so encouraging. If, if, I'm, if I'm a fan right now, I'm so happy about that. And does it doesn't mean they're going to win 10 more games next year just because of him. Maybe not. But, like – do you agree? I mean, you, you know this stuff better than I do. Are, are you as encouraged as I am just like having that guy 
It's not yeah. about it's not it's, it's not it's not it's not even like I, I want to just I, I keep I keep always saying this. It's not about being anti Nate. It's it's more it's no Quinn's really good, man. <laughs> like right. I, he's really good, and and I, I don't think there's anything wrong, anything wrong with that. I, th- I thought for a second I thought you're gonna ask me if I were starting a team. Do I want Giannis or Quinn? No, that's a, that's it. Oh, that was that's uh, that's that's, yeah. that's pretty dated by right now. But anyway, I, I think people will probably remember that conversation that used to happen. Yeah, I think and, so. So anyway. for me, but it's, for me, it's like how did we get here? We don't have to be negative about everything, right? It's me. When they went from LP to Nate, what they needed was everybody to calm the F down, right? Get to work and play basketball, less drama. And Nate made that happen. And they had a great you know, run you know, two years ago through the playoffs just because Nate could calm everything down and make people were able to focus on their job, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? I don't know why all that drama happened. I don't even want to get into it, but Nate was the right personality and demeanor for the primary thing that needed to be fixed at that point in time as this team was trying to progress they needed more real-time you know coaching adjustment planning etc et and and nate is was still the same guy I, you know it's like it's like when people are like why can't deandre hunter like be more like aggressive i'm like you're asking him to be a person he's not you you, you gotta stop that right he's always going to be him nate was never going to like morph into being this coach that's like believing and like, I got to bring the right X's and O's on every single possession. I got to bring the right call to your possession. It's no, the basics, the fundamentals, playing under control, not letting your emotions kind of get you off plan. That's who he is and what he does. Now, a, a really veteran team, Nate's a pretty good, you know, fit kind of in that situation, right? But where the Hawks are to kind of get themselves kind of back on track, I think Quinn is the perfect coach for the, the perfect time. Now, um, you know, they've got to get, I think kind of get the roster to where it needs to be, you know, to kind of really get them on the trajectory they want to be on. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think I think that the biggest win on this, two big wins on the season. One is getting Quinn, not risking getting into competing for him. You know, like right now is the big thing. And the second thing was just being competitive against Boston and getting some of the positive part of that feedback loop that you got. Just like now, it's like kind of the main thing again. Like we can all calm down. We could just have, we could just <laughs> identify a good sound plan to move yeah. ourselves forward. We don't have to go do anything crazy, and and I think that I you know I'm excited for where they are right now. You know, it it and it, it's funny because you when we kind of transitioned to defense, you were talking about the Dejounte trade and the Hawks fans, you know, kind of maybe being led to expect more on defense than they should. You know, and you know, and people still I I still get asked like in DMs or just outright on Twitter like, you know, what do you think about that trade? So I, you know, I'll say it like this, right? My wife and I just bought a house. I think it's the fourth or fifth house we bought since we've been married. I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I could go buy a house like in a day. I can go look at three houses, pick one of three houses. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's just go do this. I don't need to go do market research, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My yeah. wife will like put the most amount of detail into that. And, and, and let me say on record, her approach is better for the average person, right? <laughs> right? Due diligence is good. But for me, it's like my belief system around making good decisions is it's follow through is what decides whether your decision, for the most part, again, this is just my philosophy. I'm not stating it as truth, right? My philosophy is your follow through and making that d- decision successful through the follow through and through the work that you do after the fact. Is the DeJante, Was the DeJounte trade good or, or bad, right? My philosophy that matches like house buying is the Hawks will decide as an organization, there's still work to do to make that trade good or bad or neutral or whatever. 
it's not done yet. Like they have to put a roster together that allows DeJounte to do the things he's best at, right? So we could look at the end of the season when he's looking like, yeah, I want to come back and sign another contract, you know, uh, you know, you know, what have you, et cetera, et cetera. The Hawks are like, yeah, we want him back and all that sort of stuff. I don't think we're ready to, and again, my philosophy is to look at good trade, bad trade, whatever, right? We can, we can have an argument all day long around whether they gave up too many picks or, you know, whether the protections were bad or whatever, right? And all that, or not having protections, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? For me, it's like the follow through from this point on will set themselves up to make the trade a good one or a bad one. There is work left to be done. There are undecided uh, decisions <laughs> yet to be done that will kind of place oh, yeah. that trade in some, some kind of context going forward. So, um, you know, my wife would have killed that deal making, you know, taking 20 days to check every person DeJounte's <laughs> ever known in his life and all that sort of stuff. My wife is awesome. I love her. Like, I'm really, really lucky. We, we've learned after 20 years of marriage that the right approach is usually right halfway in between what she wants to do and what I want to do. That's right? compromise. So yeah. There you go. And we, we both recognize each other's value and each other's kind of natural orientation. But but for me, it's like like that DeJounte trade. Okay, fine. You made the trade. Now, what are you going to do to set him up for success? What are you going to do to set the team yeah. up for success to leverage his strengths, his talents, and not put him in two roles that take him away from the things that he does best. So it's Landry, Kyle, Quinn, rest of the organization, you know, have work to do to set DeJounte up to be successful. That'll that'll shape the way we look at that trade, I think, one day. I, I definitely lean more into the transaction game than you do, for sure. But I think those are all great. It's all great points. And also, um, it's, imp- it's implied on what you said, but I, I do believe that Quinn having an off season to actually like work with Trey and DeJounte and think about how to use those guys together will really be very helpful. And I think that's very kind of common sense in some respects, but again, he came in in the middle of a year with basically no practice. And um, I think that situation was always one that needed a little bit of extra massaging. It was never a perfect fit. Everyone, even people that like that trade a lot would acknowledge that Trey and DeJounte are not the pairing that you would choose as a perfect fit. They're just not. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean it can't work, but I do think having a guy like Quinn, who's a, who's done this before, had Mitchell and Conley in Utah, for one example, has had some different experiences. I think him, him having, um, for lack of a better term, three or four months to get in the lab and kind of cook some stuff up is probably good for DeJounte in particular yeah. um, and Trey and all that stuff. So that's just one aspect. There's a lot more stuff to do. And um, I know that uh, – you and I are in, not in favor of like the uh, you have to blow it up thing on this roster. They they could they could still they could still do some drastic stuff. I would I wouldn't be shocked if they did that. But uh, I, I do agree with what you said about like I think having the Boston series to go full circle here uh, as a positive endpoint does give you a little bit of cover if you wanted it to be like look guys here's some proof of concept here's what we could be. I think I said it on on, on the show with Tyler <laughs> that felt like a a second round series, a one seed Boston versus absolutely. a four versus a four five seed Hawks team yeah, where Boston absolutely. was still better, but the Hawks were playing better than a seven seed was playing in that series in my mind. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. I know. And, you know, and, and then, you know, when I think about people, I ask me, so I, I've told them like, I'm not going to get into the offseason dog getting on pods and stuff like that. So <laughs> for, for me, like if someone's like, Glenn, what's your first plan? I'm like, go get that third guard we described earlier. Yep. The second thing is I love Clint, but I think you can get value for Clint's. I would hang on to my first plan, but hang on to JC and Hunter, but shift 
JC to split time at center. So the Anyeka and JC are giving you mo- the bulk of your minutes at center. Shift Hunter up to four or Hunter and Bay more, you know, kind of sharing time at the four. And as a, as a starting point, I think that's pretty good, right? Now, if you can get like a perfect player for JC, you make that deal. People want to be like, oh, Glenn doesn't want to trade JC. I'm like, what, do what? If you notice what JC did on defense in that Boston series, like, man, they would miss that. I have a secret. I have a secret to tell you on the podcast. No one's listening to the show at this point. People don't care about defense very much. I just want you I to know. know that. I know. I what, 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 what am I? One of my general takeaways from doing this. You just in this see space. me like, like when a defense forces a team to like miss a shot. <laughs> I jump around the living room like people do when Trey made that. I can picture that, that actually. <laughs> you have, yeah, you you have the same reaction to a to a great. Oh my great god! Execution. Look at that rotation. Yes. You know, oh, that's that, so funny. That's but no, I, but, I'm I'm kind of kidding. But you're not. You know. You know. I'm right though. That's one of the things. It's like it's not a bad. And I I totally get it. But it's one of those things that I have been reminded of over and over again over the covering team now for more than 10, basically 10 plus years. People just don't care that much about defense and it's fine, but that's a lot of where, not all, that's a lot of where disconnects end up with people that cover the team or watch the team a different, different way. That's a lot of where it sense for it's kind of same with, with Clint and with <laughs> I, by the way, the fact that Glenn just did said it on a podcast that they, that he'd be willing to trade Clint should tell you how good on is. I'll just yeah. tell you that right now. Glenn is a is a Clint enthusiast, <laughs> so for him to say right. that out loud was uh, noteworthy to me. Anyway, and, and and the other part is that the optimist me like I want Clint to be in a situation that's really good for him, you know, too, and like be able to kind of make that impact. There, in my mind, there's like four or five teams in the league that are one Clint away from like being a lot better than they are right now, right? And that's the and I I'd love to see that, you know, for for Clint. But for me, it's like I, I know people are, right now. It's the time. It's funny, like. I jumped into a conversation on Twitter. First of all, they, the person added me. I was I was added in the tweet and was asking about doing this or that. I'm like, hey, calm down, you know. And uh, and they were like, Glad you always do this. Like we're just you know we're just having fun coming up with ideas. Like, well, don't at me then. You know, you somebody asked me, jump in. right? <laughs> yeah. So um, but so I so I'm I promise to be better about that. Like let fans have fun and and be idealistic, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And and who knows, maybe they can turn JC into something that's a better fit for what they need. And, that, and I love JC, but that's, that's absolutely fine. If that deal is there, but if you're just like, Glenn, you know, we're pretty limited by our cap sheet, which they are right. And there's not a ton we can do is find that third guard, move Clint for something that's going to help you at another, but maybe it's Clint for that guard. I don't, you know, I don't know. Right. That might be what and it is. Yeah. Shift JC to spending two, whatever, 60% of his minutes, 65% of minutes at center. And Yucca and JC give you 40 to 42 minutes. So your center play, at night shift every more shooting into the three and four and kind of get that defense figured out. If that's all you can do, I think that's pretty good. Right now, obviously fans are like, no, we want like, you know, a really impactful player. It's fair. Totally fair to want sure. to go get a top 30 player in the league or whatever. It's J- it, by available. the way, I'll, I'll say the name. It's Jalen Brown. Everybody, everybody wants Jalen Brown. Everybody wants Jalen yeah. Brown. Yeah. Which, Which is, is great. Fun. Like I get right. So, so do I. So, so <laughs> sure, long as you like, as long as you know, like AJ's probably not still on the team. Jalen's probably still not. Oh no, they they, they actually they it. actually want Jalen Brown for Collins and uh, second round pick or something. That's all. That's okay, there you mentioned. go. Right. But, uh, so, yeah. but 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 like I would not be disappointed in that. I'm I'm still pretty bullish about this team with good with good coaching that fits where this team is now. I'm not you know not going to crap on on Nate, but I think Quinn's the right coach for where they are now. I think prioritizing. Absolutely prioritizing AJ and Jalen and whatever their plan is for next year is absolutely crucial. They got to bank on that and make that happen, which opens you know up a lot more options on kind of where you can go get that. So if all they do is like you know 
take their draft pick, trade Clint for that third guard, shift everyone up positionally three, four, five, make that work. I think that's pretty good. Is that going to get them a top three seed next year? Probably not. Is it going to get them within – could it get them within five games? And like the three seed next year? Maybe. I, I do think you're uh, – and we'll, we'll leave it here. But I, I think I think your general outline there, they would be better. I mean, look, you and I agree. They they should have been better than they were this year. I, I think yeah. they are better than a 41-41 and 41 team. How much yeah. better is up for debate? We saw in the playoffs, especially now with Quinn, they are better than they were this year. I'm very confident in that. Uh, how good they are and what the tweets they make and uh, whether they trade John or trade Clint or whoever, we'll have – more to talk about with that. I, I didn't want to waste our time, you and me, Glenn, because uh, I could have Andrew on and talk fake trades for two hours. That's that's what he wants oh. to do. You don't want to do that. I know you don't yeah. want to do that. And then I have to so, save it for a long drive, which is just me going to work in Seattle. So that's fine. Uh, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're Atlanta. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, there you go. We've, we've covered a lot of ground. I am. Uh, I'm sure I'll be asking Glenn for much of his precious time in the rest of the summer. But uh, for now, thank you, sir, for all of this. Please plug what you have going on. I know there's a certain podcast that you are a, uh, I believe it's, I believe the term you use is alternate governor. Is that the one you use generally speaking? I, I think that's still in my bio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, ATL and 29 podcast with, with uh, my, my good friend. I, I like to refer to Brad and Kevin as frenemies. Um, love you. Uh, lo- love you, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so that, that we still got that going on. We're, we're I think it's about to shift to kind of draft prep. You know, I mentioned the last time I recorded Kevin, I, so now in the draft, I'll probably put in 100 hours kind of looking at that stuff, which is, I don't know, you know, an hour and a half a day or whatever that, you know, kind of turns out to be. It's a lot of time uh, still. That's a lot of time. It, it, it is, but uh, that's what, I mean, to me, that's what it takes. And, you know, I might look back and go, oh, it was 75 or whatever. Just, my, my, my day job is going to dictate how much of that I get. Plus, we're moving now into this new house and stuff. So, but yeah, 8 down 29 podcast, that's there. I'm sure we'll talk some play, general playoffs too. Peace Free Hoops always kind of support that group over there. I still support them. Uh, even if not, if I'm not able to kind of write as, as frequently as I was, and uh, at Willis underscore Glenn, those of you on YouTube can see that there. If you can't, at Willis underscore Glenn on Twitter, you can, can find me there and have some fun conversation where I, I try to stay out of all of the, the, the trade fun a little bit, uh, but, <laughs> but happy to fill questions along the way as well. Uh, I encourage everyone to, to uh, follow Glenn if they're not already. I, I don't know how you're not, to be honest with you. I'm not saying that in a negative way, but if you listen to this podcast, uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy what Glenn has to say about the Hawks uh, on Twitter and other places, and also there's plenty of time to listen to this show and ATL 29. It's it's I do it. I listen I listen to ATL 29 every episode. I, I enjoy it very much, and I try not to make either one of those guys repeat themselves too much when they come on this podcast. But that's just part of the name of the game. Got to have different takes for different for different different audiences, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate Glenn as always. Please subscribe to this show. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all those fun places. We'll see you all next time.